0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. This week, we're discussing the possibility of using nuclear reactors to produce hydrogen. With me to discuss that is Julia Pike, Director of Sizewell C Financing and Economic Regulation. Julia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. So, before we just dive into the production of hydrogen, just briefly remind us the importance for achieving our net zero targets of having a supply of hydrogen?
1: Well, obviously there's a lot of talk at the moment about hydrogen and and there are lots of really exciting ideas, but there isn't always as much focus as there might be on how we make hydrogen. Making hydrogen is quite energy intensive. And so I think it's going to be really helpful if we focus a little bit more on where we think the hydrogen is being made as well as on its end uses like in the replacement of gas for home heating.
0: So where is it being made at the moment?
1: So at the moment, um, hydrogen is largely made from gas. And what we are looking at collectively is how are we going to decarbonize that? So obviously there are lots of projects around decarbonizing the way we use gas, but there are also lots of things going on with making low carbon hydrogen or as it's called green hydrogen. And so there's conversations about how that's going to be done with renewables and there are conversations around how that can be done with nuclear and really an ideal world, I think probably, how the two work together for the um, best benefit of the consumer.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about nuclear. How can nuclear reactors be used to generate hydrogen?
1: So there are two things really. At the moment, there's lots of discussion about making hydrogen through electrolysis, which is obviously using electricity. But when we're looking at nuclear new builds, we have the opportunity to actually use the heat that the power station makes for uses other than making grid scale electricity. So nuclear power stations in the UK have only ever really used around about 40 percent of their heat to make huge amounts of electricity for the grid and the rest of the heat has been cooled and put back into the sea. So what we're looking at with Sizewell C is actually putting in valves so we can take off the heat. How that becomes relevant to hydrogen is that if you can assist the electrolysis with heat it uses a lot less electricity and so it's more efficient and therefore likely to be much cheaper and what we're doing at the moment is closely following a process called solid oxide electrolyser cell technology and there's a live project in germany which is using this technology and we're looking at how much more efficient the use of heat is making the electrolysis and seeing what we can learn from that and what that means for our plans for size well C.
0: And are there any early results from that project in terms about the uh, the increase in efficiency? So some early
1: results suggest that it's up to 35 percent more efficient, which is huge. Obviously, we need to look at how that could work for Sisewell C specifically and the temperature of heat, which Sizewell C will be able to provide. We're also looking at, at making hydrogen much sooner, sort of more like next year because we're interested in making the construction of Sizewell C the cleanest it can be. And one of the issues around hydrogen as well as how it's made is when the market for hydrogen-fueled buses, hydrogen-fueled HGVs, hydrogen-fueled construction plant, how it gets going. And if you have a big construction site like Sizewell, you can possibly use that to actually kickstart the market in um, bigger versions of these vehicles and plant so that it's a virtual circle in terms of generating more demand for, the, for hydrogen and generating more
0: demand for more and more plants and vehicles. The technology to produce the hydrogen in nuclear stations, is that well-established? Is that relatively new? To what extent is more needed or can you just build it and get on with it?
1: Making hydrogen from electricity is very well-established. And in fact, plenty of nuclear stations have made hydrogen for their own use. What's novel is heat assisted electrolysis. And so that's, that's, that's why it's a particularly exciting thing to look at for size well C with our opportunity for the first time to take off the heat. But that shouldn't detract from the fact that we can make hydrogen now using the electricity. And in fact, there is developing thinking that a constant supply of electricity will be very beneficial for the life cycle of the electrolyzer kit. And so, as I said, if we can work together with renewables so that we have both a constant input of electricity from nuclear and use the benefit of intermittent electricity on particularly windy and sunny days, it seems to me that that's likely to be optimal for consumers.
0: So obviously this is a great opportunity for size will see because you're actually in the midst of going forward with this, this construction project. If the technology is seen to work To what extent could this be retrofitted into nuclear power stations more generally? Or is it something that you really need to build in from the start?
1: You need to build in from the start the valves to take off the heat. It's probably not really economic to retrofit. And of course, most of the UK's fleet is actually closing down over the 2020s. So it might be worth thinking about for size well B when size well B has capital works to... Be granted a life extension from around 2035. But I think it's going to really show the way for future gigawatt projects, whether or not they're UK EPR projects, like we'd like to build another UKEPR at side or whether or not it's other gigawatt technology like the AP1000. We're hoping that we can establish not only the utility of the technology, but also that we can help get policy in the right place, because it's partly policy about what the nuclear station is paid to do around whether or not various policies which apply to renewable electricity for hydrogen can also be applied to nuclear
0: electricity for hydrogen. Let's talk a little bit about cost. Obviously there's going to be a very significant cost anyway for producing size well C, but what's the additional cost of building in these valves and of building a hydrogen production facility like the one you've described?
1: So there isn't a significant cost to putting in the valves obviously there's a bit of design cost and there's a bit of cost of actually putting in the valve, but it's not significant. And if we're making electricity at around 40 to 60 pounds a megawatt hour, which we hope, then the spare heat is going to be very cheap. Of course, as we start using more heat and actually reducing the amount of electricity we're making, if that's the way we go, then the heat will have a cost. In terms of the cost of the sort of small-scale electrolyzer we're thinking about for the construction of size well C, that's not huge. It's of the order of probably around £10 million. And for the larger-scale electrolyzer, it really is too soon for us to know because we're following the development of the market in um, the solid oxide electrolyzer cell technology. But I think that it, it's already looking like it's going to make very competitive hydrogen.
0: So... What kind of percentage? If this is not an impossible question, but what kind of percentage of the UK's future potential hydrogen needs could come out of Sizewell C? Or phrase it another way: How many such facilities might we need in order to meet uh, our uh, our hydrogen needs?
1: Well, a a fun statistic, which isn't which isn't an actual plan, is that if you dedicated Sizewell C to hydrogen production, Sizewell C would make more hydrogen than is made in the UK today. That isn't the plan. The plan is that the UK also needs electricity and it will make a combination of electricity and hydrogen. So, as the hydrogen market really kicks off, it might be that future nuclear stations are, are in fact more dedicated to hydrogen, whether or not they're gigawatt or their future SMR technology or um, really exciting advanced modular with its higher temperature heat, which will probably be even more efficient. So, I don't think we can really say at the moment, but I think what we can say is that nuclear can really help the hydrogen economy get kick-started and then produced at bulk.
0: Are there any issues involved in terms of storage or in terms of distribution once you've created it uh, at SizeWell or elsewhere?
1: Yeah, so we, we wouldn't be planning to have a big hydrogen electrolyzer right next to the nuclear site. We'd be looking at piping the heat, you know, a short distance away and building there in, ter- in terms of transport, you know, absolutely. You know, the, the transport of heat is obviously something which which companies like Cadent are looking at intensely in terms of how far you need to retrofit the existing gas grid. And yeah, it's a it's an issue which we all need to get on top of as soon as possible, given the commitment to phase out domestic gas boilers that the government's recently made. So,
0: how does this facility that you're talking about? fit into the uk government's overall plans firstly it's overall plans for the nuclear industry and secondly it's overall plans for uh, net zero
1: well we're hoping that it will fit into the government's plans partly because there's going to be a need for a huge amount more low carbon electricity and obviously it's well known that it can produce that and then it's also very well located for helping clean up aviation fuel, and in particular um, shipping fuel, because it's near to the ports of Harwich and Felixstowe and also to Ipswich and Lowestoft. So we're hoping it can play a role there. And we're very interested in how far the provision of clean heat and power can actually help the government's free ports policies. Because if you're going to make manufacturing competitive, then the provision of clean heat and power is pretty key. And again, Sazwa Sea will be within the 45 kilometre boundary of, um, of a Freeport area, which the government's consulting on at the moment. And in terms of plans to decarbonise heat, I think that's something where the nuclear industry can play a really exciting role in its unique technology in being able to produce vast quantities, both of heat and electricity. And so we're hoping that as thinking develops about whether or not we're more likely to go down a mass electrification route, or we're more likely to go down clean liquid fuels routes like hydrogen, will be able to serve both agendas.
0: So what's the sequence of decisions or investments that you're hoping uh, that will flow from the government over the next six to 12 months?
1: So we're hoping to get a clear signal that the government would like Science Well Seed to progress and um, then to be able to bring it forward and start construction in 2022, we we want to dovetail the start of Sideswell Civils with the tailing off of the Hinkley Point C Civil Works, because that means we can actually move the experienced workforce. And I think that's something worth just reflecting on in itself, which is that cost reduction really comes from copying and from experience. And if we can actually get this right, we should see the tremendous productivity gains that you can see at Hinkley, between Hinkley Unit 1 and Hinkley Unit 2, flowing straight into size well. If Sizewell unit one can really be treated as Hinkley unit three, we would expect to see continuous gains. And to really prove that the UK can deliver mega projects and nuclear to time and to budget, that would be a really great thing, both for nuclear and for the UK.
0: So let's assume a very positive outcome and the government give you this go ahead and you begin construction early in 2022. What's then the... Timeline for getting Sizewell C up and running and getting the production of hydrogen as well as, as power.
1: So we would be looking to have our hydrogen for construction up and running with the with the setup of the site. So we'd be looking to be demonstrating that nuclear and hydrogen work well together with a continuous source of low carbon power, and and helping, as I said, leverage up the market in the plant and vehicles available. And then Sizewell C itself will take between 9 and 12 years to construct. And the reason we're giving quite a large range is, to a degree, it depends on how much money you spend at what rate. And that's something which, until we have a clearer view of the government's position, it's difficult for us to make definitive plans. But So essentially, if we take you know, 10 years as a, as a rough average, we'd be looking at having a lot of hydrogen production potentially available in the
0: early 2030s. And you mentioned earlier that a lot of the UK's current nuclear capacity is coming towards the end of its life. So how does this Sizewell project fit into the the wider nuclear rebuild or not that needs to happen over the next decade?
1: So at the moment, you know, we have we have a a workforce which is essentially the the old central Electricity generating board, then privatised into British energy and then bought by EDF after the government had um, rescued it in um, the early 2000s, I think. That, that workforce is, is divided between the AGRs, size well B and Hinkley Point C. So as the AGRs close down, we need to look at where are, where are the skills of those people really important to the future of nuclear? And one area is in high temperature nuclear reactors. And so there's a really good association between the skills of these staff from the AGR team and the development by organisations like the National Nuclear Laboratory of Advanced Modular. So we're intending to work very closely with the um, National Nuclear Laboratory. And then if you look at what really brings costs down in big nuclear new build, huge amounts of big nuclear new build are conventional construction, but in the nuclear environment. And Hinckley has rebuilt that skill set in the UK workforce. It's not only built the skill set of literally learning to work on a nuclear site and to nuclear standards, but it's also funded skills development, like in welding, pipe fitting, electricians. It's really improving the skill set of the UK high-end construction workforce. And so, if we can bring those developed skills into Sizewell, then they'll be available for lots of future nuclear after Sizewell. You know, we ourselves would like to build another UK EPR up in Cumbria at Moorside. And if we do, if that fits with government policy, we would like to see that not as just a power station, but as the center of clean industry. That's the vision of the community in Cumbria. And it's a vision we really support. And we'd also like to see that project as being somewhere where we could build established technology using the established workforce, but also because it's a big site, host, future nuclear like small modular or advanced modular, um, giving the benefit of an experienced developer and operational team and site license operations, but with the new technologies brought forward by bodies like the National Nuclear Lab.
0: It's a really exciting time and I guess we'll just have to see what happens over the next 10 years or so. That's all we have time for, but uh, Julia Pike, thank you very much.
1: Thanks very much for having me.
0: You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. My guest this week was Julia Pike, Director of Sizewell C Financing and Economic Regulation. The topic of nuclear cogeneration, using spare heat to produce hydrogen and for other purposes, was the subject of an event run by the Foundation on the 9th of December 2020. A recording of that event, plus the associated slides and a number of related blogs, plus details of all our other work, along with all editions of this podcast, can be found on our website at www.foundation.org.uk. The podcast is taking a four-week break now. We'll be back in the second half of January with more discussion about science, technology, innovation, medicine and higher education, Until then, we wish you a wonderful Christmas and a great New Year.